Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we celebrate Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of discovery. I am somehow still here as your host, Ed Pocock, and today we are joined once more by Flibber James Aronson. James, great to have you back. Thanks for having me. Today is our very, very first Dexploration episode. Yes, we have merged together Dex and Exploration because it's a very, very Keyforge thing to do and a very Call of Discovery thing to do. This is overall the series where we will look to enlist some of the greatest minds in Keyforge to unearth the hidden secrets of the Crucible. Our guests will share their excitement of Discovery and open a unique deck on the episode live. In particular, this is going to be how do they craft their game plan? How do they identify a deck's hidden strengths and maybe exploit those opportunities presented by a sealed meta to gain Keyforge glory? We are going to decide which set to open a deck from by spinning the Call of Discovery compass. So here we go. Which deck are you hoping to be looking at, James? So I'm hoping to be looking at a deck with Star Alliance, which I guess means it has to be World Collide deck. Okay, so here we go. And we have it. This is a Age of Ascension deck. So it's not the one I'm hoping for, but it's I, I like Age of Ascension, particularly in Sealed, because it, it feels like the worst house isn't quite so bad and the best house isn't quite so good, as I think in Call of the Archons... Shadows is obviously the one everyone wants. And in Worlds Clyde, Brobnar is the one everyone wants to not have. And I think it's not quite so extreme in Age of Ascension. So we'll probably be having looking at a good but not amazing deck, hopefully. Awesome. And you've had a lot of success in Age of Ascension in Sealed with a Voltor runner-up position. Yes, I... I mean, I, I feel I was fortunate enough to get the deck I got, particularly. I quite like Age of Ascension. Brobnar's not quite as bad in Age of Ascension, or Brobnar's fairly good in Age of Ascension. Well, maybe we're going to be looking at maybe a quadruple we'll... Archimedes deck here. Maybe so... we'll be looking at a Dramanaut Ganger Chieftain. Oh, yes, absolutely. And let's, without further ado, let's crack it open. So we have a Brobnar, Dis, and Logos lineup, and it's called... Ogre Mill, Spawn of Iron Belly. I feel that this is very... Iron Belly. Iron Belly sounds like a dragon. And wow, we have a very interesting deck list here, I think. Well, I'm very excited to see a Maverick standardised testing, which is fun because it's Maverick and Mavericks are fun. And 
Might Makes Right is a card that is that is fun if you can pull it off. Um, Grunt Buggy might be good. I I don't think there are too many creatures. So counting right now, I can see six creatures which have five or more power for the Grunt Buggy. Which and, and Grunt Buggy is the card that makes keys cost plus one for every friendly creature you or your opponent have of power five or higher and those keys cost more for your opponent yeah this is this is a fascinating lineup with that brobnar dis logos logos as we were speaking about in the previous episode being the house that makes things much more efficient for people james it would be great if you spoke a little bit about your process um what is the first thing you you look at when you open a sealed deck what do you look for what process do you go through yeah so the first thing i tried to do is split the split each house into sort of creatures, cards that give amber, and other cards. So, for example, in Brobnar, we appear to have seven creatures and three printed amber. In Dis, we have four creatures and three printed amber. And in Logos, we have six creatures and three printed amber. So the seven creatures in Brobnar is... Is it? It's good. Maybe you'd want a bit more, particularly with something like the Grunt Buggy or the Might Makes Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's sort of a good number. You might be able to get some presence on the board. Um, and I, I really like in the Logos, the creatures... So Logos doesn't really have any... So it has the permanent Lash of Broken Dreams, but the other, cre- the, the other cards are either action cards, which... You play them and their effect goes away, or they're creatures with play effect. So we have the two yucks, which have a good play effect, which lets you discard a card from your hand, and the charrette, which you play it and you can capture three. So these are creatures you don't really care about using, but you like them because they have good effects. And uh, I can also see this Tolas here, and I don't like Tolas because it feels like a not very good card quite often, but I guess we can think about that once we've had a, a a better look at the rest of the deck. So I, I like how in, in the dis there are a lot of cards which give you a give you effect when you play them and you don't really care about them anymore. So it's a good burst house. Whereas in the Brobnar there are a lot of there are seven creatures and all of these creatures you don't so they all have either high power, at least five power or there, the Bingle Bang Bang, which is a really nice ability to do five damage to the, cre- the neighbours of the creature it fights, or Forge Master Og, which uh, is another creature, I suppose, which is less than five power. It doesn't have a really an, an ability you want to be using a lot, but it's maybe it's a nice card to have. It's an interesting effect, particularly if it's if your opponent forgets about it, they can find it really doing them a little bit of damage with that and then forge master og says after a player forges the key they lose all of their remaining amber so so the so that's it's quite a interesting effect particularly if you have a way to give your opponent extra amber when they were about to forge so for example i'm looking at this standardized uh, sorry i'm looking at this binate rupture in logos so maybe my opponent has six amber and i have three amber but i also have forge master og in play so I can play Bionate Rupture. My opponent now has 12 amber, but they were going to forge anyway. Yeah. And I have gone from three to six amber. So the Bionate Rupture has basically given me three free amber. It's it's like a worse version of the Bionate Rupture interdimensional graft combo, which is possibly fun. So maybe I like the Forge Master Og for that reason. Sure. Um, 
So I guess maybe we should have a look at this Logos. So I really like the Archimedes with the really good play effects of the helper bots and the Zix re Researcher. So helper bot lets you play a card from out of house and Zix Researcher lets you archive the top card of your deck or discard pile. So you can play those. And then if you have a way to kill them next to Archimedes, then you'll get them back. So maybe you have Archimedes in play, you can play the helper bots next to the Archimedes, and then you can play standardized testing to put the helper bots back into your archive and also maybe kill your opponent's big creatures. Um, I, I like how the Logos has some amount of archiving and house cheating with the helper bots. There's a sloppy lab work and... Eureka isn't really archiving in the same way that sloppy lab work is, but it, it will help to mitigate against the 2-2-2 hands if we have cards like this. And we also have the Yerks in this. So... Lots I've, of ways of managing your draw, managing your, your hand quite nicely. Yes, yeah, so, so that's quite nice. We also have the Feel of the Researcher, Library of Babel, which can draw you some cards. Um, so I think there's a lot to like about this deck looking at it on evaluating sealed decks what mistakes do you commonly see other players making when they're either evaluating those decks or forging their game plans around them so i think it's hard to say what a mistake is uh, i think one thing that it's quite easy to do and i'm aware that i've already done this is to get excited by sort of two card combos like the forge master rog with binate rupture it's, it's quite easy to get excited by two-card combos, but what you really need to do is look at the shape of the deck, look at creatures. So I, it, it's good to know I have seven Brobnar creatures, which are fairly sticky, particularly with the Dramanaut to heal them. So I'll probably have a good Brobnar board a lot of the time. Um, whereas my disc creatures, I, I don't really care about them, so I probably won't have much of a disc board. Um, I think it... It's also good to look at what what we don't like about the deck. So yeah. there's nine printed amber, which is okay. It's about average in Age, in age of Ascension. Ascension. It's about average. It's not amazing. We also have the Misery Exploits, which might give you amber, but I find that often they don't actually give you amber, uh, particularly in the... Well, particularly before Worlds, Worlds Collide, the Misery Exploit is often going to be a dead card. The Tremors, maybe they're good, maybe they're not. I don't like having two alpha cards, so we have our Eureka and our Binate Rupture, and I guess Binate Rupture you'll probably be discarding quite often anyway, mm. but it, it's kind of sad if they clash. I guess also Eureka will archive the Binate Rupture sometimes, so that's not so bad. And with those thoughts in mind, how do you think you're, you're, you change the way you play with this deck to to be mindful of what this deck wants to do here and maybe some, play around some of those effects that you've just spoken about that you don't like the look of so much? Uh, so maybe with the Misery Exploits, you have two of them, so it's possibly quite often that you'll have them. So maybe you want, maybe you want to keep opponent's creatures in play but damaged. Um Maybe you need to... So I guess it's also important to think about this to Tolas. So is Tolas going to be good or bad in this particular deck? Yeah. Tolas is the creature that every time a creature is destroyed, its opponent gains one amber, which is the very definition of a wild card. Wild card. Exactly. So it's very hard to know 
whether Tolas is a good card to play or not. So I think I don't. I tend not to like Tolas partially because if you play Tolas, you don't. You often don't really have much control about you're going to destroy some creatures. So then if I play a Tolas, maybe I have some helper bots in play from earlier, which are just there. And then on my next turn, my opponent can kill two helper bots and the Tolas to get basically free amber. So maybe that's a good reason to avoid playing the Tolas in this deck because there are a lot of weenies that are just going to end up sitting around doing nothing. Uh, I was about to say the Tolas goes well with the standardized testing, but maybe I'm lying. So I think one thing, I like Tolas with the standardized testing because I can play the Tolas and then kill it immediately, saving my two power creatures. Certainly. And then, of course, I notice I don't have very many two power creatures. Um, and, and overall, what do you think the game plan of this deck is? Um, I think the game plan is it, it's not really going to play in a particularly wild way. So I think what you want to do is it would be nice to get some Brobnar creatures early and for them not to die. So (laughs) you can sort of use them to have some board control and more importantly, gain some amber from reaping. And you've certainly got ways of controlling the opponent's board here. You've got ways of getting them out quickly through Logos. You've got ways of stalling your opponent through double tremor, double Cole the Weak. I found Cole the Weak in AOA to be such an effective card because you really limit your opponent's ability to get value out of those maybe certain smaller creatures like a Dusk Witch that would otherwise cause havoc. Absolutely. And we also have the two standardized testings. So in an emergency, we've got some board control. And they're not finished for you if you do have a an incident with your Robnar creatures could be a way of getting them back quicker. Absolutely. And you may also use the not finished with you to get the cool play effects with the helper bots and the six researcher, or maybe the Yurks and the Charette to get those back into the deck. Sure. So what what is your general approach to sealed? Let's say you have a deck like this and you're diving into to a match. How do you how do you focus on that match? What is your way of looking at it? So I tend to think a lot more tactically versus so the the distinction between tactical thinking and strategic thinking is Yeah. Strate- my strategy is going to be what does this deck want to do and the tactics is what does this deck want to do right now? So I tend to think a lot more tactically, oh, these are the cards I've drawn, uh, which house am I going to choose? And I I think, particularly in Sealed, there's a lot more you need to look at your opponent's board state as well. So with something like standardised testing, I, I tend to think less about, oh, I don't want to play standardised testing now because my deck doesn't really want or I don't want to play standardized testing because my deck doesn't like playing it, I tend to think, oh, I'm happy to play standardized testing now because I don't mind losing my Call for Quiet if you lose your Professor Sutterkit. Yeah, so very much more situational. And I suppose to do that, you you rely uh, to an extent on your knowledge of the card pool and your intuition. So my, my experience with Keyforge is I've played a lot more... I've played a lot of decks exactly once... So I'm I'm less good at getting sort of really deep into a deck. I'm more good at sort of superficially, here's the one time I'm playing the deck. Sure. And this is what I'm going to do in this particular situation, which will probably never come up again if I'm not going to play the deck again. Yeah, yeah. 
and that probably hints at the depth of Keyforge in appealing to different players and different in types different of players. Yeah, absolutely. Which is definitely a good thing about Keyforge. And, and looking at this deck now, do you think there are any tools that you don't have that you'd have to play around in sealed events, or do you think that it has got ways of getting in and out of everything? For instance, has it got enough amber control? So the amber control is interesting. So we have. Uh, so the amp control in dis is a bit awkward because we have the lash, but we don't really like calling dis because we don't have much else to do on a dis turn unless we have discards in hand. And then in the Brobnar, I think there's the Groke and the Forge Master Og. And Groke is sort of fine, but not that great if you only have the one. And Forge Master Og doesn't really stop them from forging a key. And we have nothing in Logos except the cut through research which doesn't do very much so the amber control is a bit sort of a bit weak um but it's age of ascension so and it's not a shadows <laughs> deck so yeah. we can't really hope for too much more than this we also have the grunt buggy which i think probably we don't really want to play the grunt buggy against a brobnar deck which will just which may well have a lot more creatures than, sure so for example it at the Krakow Vault Tour, my deck had a Grunt Buggy, and I played against two opponents who had Grunt Buggies in their deck, uh, and they both played their Grunt Buggy, and their Grunt Buggy in both cases was a lot better for me. So I think it's quite hard. So I think with Grunt Buggy, it's quite hard not to play it if you have maybe six creatures, but I think I probably wouldn't like to play it against an opposing Brobnar deck. So overall, how well do you think this deck would fare in your average sealed tournament? It's hard to say. So there are, I think you could probably, you could probably go four and two. I think it would be tough to go five and one because, I mean, there there are a lot of quite boring cards. Like we have the Misery Exploits. We have the Tolas, which I don't particularly like in this deck. Uh, the Tremors can sort of stack up if you have the two Tremors at once. They're not going to do a huge amount. Yeah. And the Binate Rupture's quite scary. Yeah. So uh, I think I think there's a lot of potential. There, there aren't enough sort of really good cards, in my opinion. Um, but we have the nine printed Amber. We have lots of board control. And we have lots of cool play effects with the Yurks and the Helper Bots in particular. Sure, sure. And uh, yeah, as ever, these things are more affected by the, the meta that you're in. And the uh, the sealed meta for Age of Ascension in particular is very different. Or even Archon meta for Age of Ascension is very different than the uh, the meta when you're including Call of the Archons, Worlds Collide, or whatever else is out when you're listening to this. Yeah, so... I th I think, well, in, in Sealed, obviously this deck will never be played in a... Well, obviously this deck will never be played in a Sealed meta because we've just opened it. <laughs> but um, it, it will never be played in a Sealed meta that isn't Age of Ascension because it's an Age of Ascension. So, James, what advice would you have for our listeners? Maybe they're about to head to their first proper sealed tournament. Maybe they're about to head to their first sealed vault tour. Um, or even 
maybe they've been to a number of SEAL tournaments but just want to be a better player, what advice would you give them in how to make the most of your SEAL deck and how to get the edge over your opponent? Obviously, the first piece of advice I would give is open a deck with three time travellers, but obviously not everyone's capable of doing that. So I think it's... I, I think it's quite easy to get bogged down with do this and do this and do this. But I think realistically, it's quite hard. I think the best thing to do is play lots of Keyforge, particularly with a variety of different decks. So I think one thing that could happen if you play the same deck over and over is you get a lot into... If if there are things that that deck does which are different to other decks. So I can't... I, I, I would like to give an example, but I can't think of an example right now. So you value cards basically based on the one or two or three decks you've played rather than based on their value overall in Keyforge and therefore your intuition yeah. might be skewed. And I think there's uh, another thing. So maybe I think we get sort of a bit biased by the first deck that we opened or i think some people do so for me in particular i think i un- i tend to undervalue amber control because my first ever deck had exactly zero amber control uh so yeah, yeah. I-, I tend to think i tend to undervalue it compared to what everyone else does interesting interesting so we're shaped by the decks that we open my i i think the best thing to do if you want to be better at sealed is play so maybe if if you can play on the crucible online play the sealed mode or play game play games with random decks that you've organized with friends or people on on the internet so play lots of different decks to minimize that preconceived bias you might have on different things yeah and and also it particularly with a card like tolas that's a card that if you've played enough decks with tolas then you'll know Tolas is a really scary card that I often want to not play. You want to yerk it. You want to discard it, yeah. Well, I guess you don't... You probably don't want to yerk you it. You don't really do want to waste you the yerk yerking on it. Uh, another card. Yeah, um, I want to be yerking. You want to maverick yerk it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would not mind yerking this binate rupture, maybe the titan mechanic if I'm not playing the grunt buggy, or maybe the grunt buggy itself. Sure. Maybe the Forge Master, if I happen to have lots of Amber, which I probably don't on a this turn. Okay. Unless the Misery Exploit's giving lots of Amber. Any last thoughts on this deck, on Sealed, uh, or on Discovery and Keyforge? Um, sealed is fun. Uh, and the main reason why we play Keyforge is to have fun. So that's good. On this deck, uh, I... I really like the fact that we have lots of fun cards. Like, I really like Eureka, which is you get loads of Amber and you get to archive loads of things, and sometimes it blows up in your face if you archive the Logos cards you want to play that turn. And I really like Helperbot because playing cards from out of, fou- from out of house is more fun than playing cards in-house. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so this deck's got a lot of tricks up its sleeve. And obviously... We can't not mention Might Makes Right, which it might be hard to make it work because we don't have a huge amount of creature power. But if you do manage to make Might Might Makes Right work and forge the key with 
uh, forge your third key by sacrificing your entire board. That would be incredibly fun. And would make such a such a fun difference. Yeah, that would be awesome. James, thank you so much for coming on the cast, sharing your sealed knowledge and experience, and indeed talking about luck and skill in last week's episode. Thanks for having me. And where can people find you on the socials? So it's easiest to find me on the Sanctimonious Discord, where I'm fairly active sometimes. Uh, so my name is Flibber, hashtag 3141, which is the first four digits of pi. And I sometimes appear on the Facebook group. Wonderful, wonderful. And you can find us on pretty much all of the socials. Uh, we are at Call of Discovery. And you can find our merch on Teespring via the link below where you can purchase one of our glorious hoodies. And I mean glorious. It not just survives the wash, but seems to thrive in it. And if you too would like to join the Call of Discovery family, put your weird and wonderful decks into the spotlight and really help us take Call of Discovery to new heights, then you can join our Patreon-only Discord today by clicking the link below to Patreon. And please email us any questions you might have at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. Let us know, do you like this new segment? What do you think we could do more of or less of with it to make it as engaging as possible? Most importantly, guys and girls, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, then please do help them to discover it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>